Hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community, to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Hello, everyone. My name is Liam, and this book, Raffles, does not spark joy. This book, Finnish and Essential Grammar, I don't know why I own, and it does not spark joy. This book, Australian Constitutional Law and Theory, this book sparks joy. (laughs) But what about God's Word, the Bible? What does God's Word have to say about joy? Hands up if you, like many people, myself included, uh, had a go at the Marie Kondo, does this spark joy method of decluttering. Okay, so we've got, we've got a few people. Um, for those of you who don't know, the, the long and short of this method is that you take everything you own and you put it in a pile in the middle of the room and one by one, you go through and you pick up each item and you say, does this spark joy? And if the answer is not yes, you get rid of the item. I think it's a really interesting approach uh, because I think it's interesting that the only question is whether it sparks joy and not whether it's useful or valuable. And when I did this, I found it quite strange because I'd pick up items like my toothbrush and think, well, this doesn't necessarily spark joy, but I don't think I should throw this out. And so it's interesting that it's a focus on joy. But I also think that the, the language around spark joy is interesting and accurate because it seems to be implicit in that, that the, the joy or the happiness or the feeling that you get from holding an item that you like is, is just a spark and it's just fleeting. And so I'm not going to spend the entirety of tonight talking about Marie Kondo's method for decluttering, but I want to use this as a springboard tonight to discuss what joy means to us as followers of Christ and what the Bible says about joy and how that compares to a cultural understanding or a Marie Kondo understanding of joy. So often as we do around Christmas, tonight we're talking about joy. But just a heads up that tonight's joy sermon might not be exactly what you'd expect from a typical Christmas joy sermon. And that's because this year has been a strange year. And I imagine that if I asked you to rattle off all the words and emotions that you associate with 2020, that joy might not be up there. But nonetheless, let's press in and see what the Bible has to say about joy and what Jesus has to say and see whether or not joy is cancelled in 2020. But first, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you that it is true, God. I thank you that you, you send your Holy Spirit to allow us to understand your word and to enter into relationship with you, God. And I pray that tonight my words would be yours, God, that you would move and that you, you alone would be glorified tonight and that we would have uh, open hearts and open ears to hear what you have to say to us tonight, God. Amen. So 
We're going to be picking up tonight in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, but very quickly, I'm just going to recap just so we're all on the same page about exactly where we are, we are in the story, even though this might be sort of pretty familiar for lots of people. So, in Luke 1, as well as hearing about uh, the birth of John the Baptist being foretold, we also see John the Baptist born, and we also have the birth of Jesus being foretold. So, uh, an angel of God named Gabriel uh, visited Nazareth and visited uh, a woman named Mary, uh, who was a virgin and pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And the angel tells Mary that she will have a son whose name will be Jesus, and that he will be called Son of the Most High, and his kingdom will never end. The Gospel of Luke then uh, pretty quickly races through uh, the birth of Jesus, and at the start of chapter 2, the scene is that uh, we're in Bethlehem for a census, because Joseph was from um, the family of David, and he had to go back there for the census, and then Jesus is born in a manger. And that's where we pick up tonight, and the verses will be on the screen. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So what we have is the angels announcing to the shepherds that a Messiah has been born, and that this is good news for all people. And so what I want to point out right off the bat is that there is an immediate causal connection between the truth of who Jesus is and joy. So the angel says, I bring you good news. But this term news is, is really important and it's significant that we understand what the angel is saying. Because news is an announcement of truth. And maybe in the era of fake news, that's not necessarily a given, but that's the understanding of news that I'm working with. And so the angel doesn't come to bring advice, like make sure you drink eight glasses of water today, or to offer words of wisdom like seize the day, or words of inspiration like if you can dream it, you can do it. No, the angel brings news. And it is in that news and in that truth that there will be joy. John Piper is an American theologian and he explains uh, joy by drawing an analogy between joy and fear. And the example that Piper gives is of somebody out camping in the middle of nowhere and they're just by themselves with no phone reception and they're just in a tent and they look outside and they see a big grizzly bear. So of course that person is going to feel fear. Now it's not necessarily a conscious decision to feel fear, but fear is their natural response to their perceived truth. And it's the same with our joy. Our joy should be our natural response to the truth of the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. But see, the difference between the fear that comes from the bear and the joy that comes from, the Christ, from Christ is that the joy that comes from Christ is permanent, whereas the bear is just a, a circumstance. See, at any given time, there are many things in your life that might be true. You're at church tonight, or maybe you're listening to the podcast later. Those lights are blue. I'm wearing glasses, but now I'm not. There are so many truths that are just momentary. 
And as Christians, if we want to experience the fullness of Christ's joy, we need to hold firmly to the truth that is everlasting and hold very loosely to the truths that are fleeting. But don't get me wrong, I'm not saying don't, don't hold at all or don't engage with the truths that are fleeting. Because, see, some, some circumstances are, are really great. And so when I say don't hold firmly to the satisfaction that you feel in your career, I'm not saying don't find satisfaction in your career. I'm not saying that when you're out at dinner with your friends or your parents or your partner that you shouldn't enjoy that because I believe that these are gifts from God and God does want us to enjoy these things as we serve and honour him through them. But we need to acknowledge which truths are temporary and which are permanent. And we need to reorder our lives around a proper orientation and understanding of that. Because you need to know that there will be troughs and there will be valleys and there will be times where your bank account doesn't look how you want it to look or your grades don't look how you want them to look or your relationship just feels really dysfunctional. And when those moments come, what is the truth that you're holding on to most tightly? Is it the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done? Or is it the truth of your social status or your career or your financial status? You know, the list goes on. And I want to acknowledge tonight that some of you will be sitting here with an immediate truth or a circumstance that is really heavy and that is present and draining and painful and burdensome and that it feels so hard to hold on to anything other than that. You know, particularly, particularly this year. A year of cancelled events, dashed expectations, lost job, separation from family. Where's the joy in that? And I know that we can tell ourselves, and I've told myself, that this year will pass and this season will pass, but the reality is that we don't know what the next six months, year, five years are going to look like. And I know for a lot of us there's a real sense of anxiety at the moment. Well, the good news for us is that experiencing joy does not require us to turn a blind eye to brokenness and sin. Because, see, God doesn't want us to just pretend that the suffering and the sin that is in this broken world doesn't cause us pain and doesn't cause us to hurt because we do live in a broken world. You know, even just myself and the sort of close people around me, as I've been pre preparing for this sermon over the past couple of months, we've been affected by a cancer diagnosis and suicide and mental health and breakdown of relationship and divorce. And that's just, that's just me and those close to me over the past couple of months. And, you know, I don't pretend to know what each of you are holding and carrying with you right now. So where's the joy? Well, do we have a God who just says, don't worry, be happy, just forget about it? Well, the truth is that whenever we're hurting and affected by sin, well, God's heart breaks too. And, you know, if we came before God and just put up a facade and pretend, pretended that it doesn't hurt, then that would be 
the created coming before the creator and pretending that he doesn't understand his creation. But he does. God does understand us. He understands us not only because he created us, but also because he actually walked among us and he experienced what we experienced. I saw a quote on an Instagram story, actually, as I was preparing for this sermon, and it says, A Jesus who never wept could never wipe away my tears. And so instead of God just asking us to ignore brokenness and pretending that it doesn't hurt, well, God actually sent an answer to brokenness and to sin. And that is through the person and the works of Jesus Christ. See, the good news that brings us great joy here tonight is the same news that would cause great joy 2,000 years ago. And it's that in a weary world, in a broken, sinful, distracted world, that the Messiah was born, our Saviour, Emmanuel, God with us. And that Messiah who was born in the manger was the same Messiah who went to the cross to bear our sin and our shame so that in every situation, in every circumstance, in every year, that we can call upon his name and freely receive his gift of salvation, restoration from brokenness and healing from sin. That's where we find our joy in 2020. And so... A perspective that I invite you to take into this Christmas season, into Christmas lunch, Boxing Day barbecue, your Christmas Eve shift at work, however your Christmas looks. The perspective that our joy should point to his glory. I want to look for a moment at Psalm 26. Sorry, 126. See, this psalm talks about the miraculous return of the Jewish exiles from Babylon, uh, which took place when the king of Persia defeated the Babylonians in 538 BC. Here's a quick little history lesson for you. In Psalm 126, it says, When the Lord restored the futures of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And the Lord has done great things for us too, hasn't he? Even in the midst of a global pandemic and a year of loss and confusion, we can still point to the cross and say, hasn't the Lord done great things for us? And my prayer is that as you come to understand the truth of Jesus and that as you are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit to look more like him, that when people look at you, they can't help but see what God has done for you and in you. And it doesn't have to be fake. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a super happy-go-lucky Christian that has it all together. But I really believe that when God transforms you, he will transform you from the inside out and that it will be visible in the way that you speak and in the way that you interact with others. And another quote that I came across as I was preparing for this sermon was this one on the screen. It says, If ever the world needed the witness and testimony of Christian people, it is at this present time. The world is unhappy, it is distracted and frightened, and what it needs is to see stars shining out of the heavens 
in the midst of the darkness, attracting the world by rebuking that darkness and by giving it light, showing how it too can live that quality of life. What do you think the person who, who wrote this quote is talking about? And who do you think it's directed to? The world is unhappy. Are they talking about cancelled events? Is distracted a reference to social media? You know, surely if the world needed the witness and testimony of Christian people, it is in 2020. Well, actually, the guy who wrote this quote is a guy named D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And I couldn't find exactly when he wrote this, but he died around 40 years ago. But don't these observations just feel so fresh? And it's because the world at its core has always been confronted by these very same issues of unhappiness, distraction, and fear. They might take different forms and they're expressed in different ways, but these are the consequences of brokenness and sin in our world. But again, the solution has always been the same. The same thing the angels declared to be true. The same thing that Lloyd-Jones says was true and the same thing that I am declaring to be true tonight and that's that the light of Jesus is enough to overcome the darkness of this world. And so this Christmas season, I pray that your joy will point to his glory. Wherever you find yourself over the Christmas period this year, when you're talking about how your year has been and your outlook on the year to come, I pray that your family and your friends and your colleagues would see the hope and the joy that you have in your life. I pray that the way that you, you live and conduct yourself would make them curious about what's different in you. And again, you don't have to pretend, you don't have to put up a facade and pretend that you've got your whole life together. But as the Holy Spirit makes you more like Jesus, I know that those around you will notice something different about you. And so when someone asks, hey, what's, what's different about you this year? I pray that instead of pointing to your thriving career or your relationship or your latest health craze or whatever it is else that is going on in your life, that you would have the boldness to speak the truth, that the joy in your life is because of the person and the works of Jesus. That the joy of, your Lord, the Lord, the joy of the Lord is your strength and that you rejoice in him always. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are so good and that you sent your son to die for us so that we would not have to live bound by the chains of sin and brokenness, but that we have freedom in you and that we have joy in you and that we have life to the full in you. Father, I pray for those who are struggling with their joy this year or who feel like their joy has been stolen this year. God, I pray that they would be overcome by a fresh revelation of who you are, and that as you reveal yourself to them, the natural response of their heart would be joy. Father, I pray for those who 
we need your joy right now, God. Those that are in this room and those that are in this neighbourhood and this state and beyond, God, I pray that we would have the boldness this Christmas to declare the truth of who you are and the truth of the joy and the hope that we have in you. That we would bring your light and that it would overcome the darkness that exists in our world, God. We thank you, God, and we glorify you. We praise you tonight and we pray all these things in the mighty, powerful, joyous name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.